What's up, everybody? Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Excellent Podcast. I'm your cinematic host, Stefan Whitaker, the head honcho of SW Films. And today I have a very, 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 very special guest on the podcast today. Um, a woman who I worked with on the Single Again music video shoot uh, by Big Sean back in like what, May of 2019. It's been like almost, it's, but yeah, it's definitely been two years now since we worked on that, which is kind of crazy. Um, I've been seeing so much amazing stuff from her. She's been doing amazing stuff in Detroit, uh, going from a PA to pretty much producer level, like almost like out of nowhere. So I'm super, super excited to talk to this woman. Abriana, Brie from the D is here on the podcast today. Brie, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. I can't believe it's only been two years. It's like only been two years, but also it's like feels like it's been forever. So Yeah, feels like it's been forever. And, and time just time is keeping, you know, it's just constantly moving. Like literally it's about to be 2022 in yeah. like a few months, which is kind of like insane because I feel like I feel like I've done a lot this year, but I feel like I haven't done enough or I just feel like I feel like there's only been like a few key things that have happened this year out of all the bunch of different shit that I've done. But I don't know. It feels crazy. But I'm glad you're doing well. I'm glad you're doing good. Um, first off, for all of my people listening, I want you to just go ahead and explain yourself who you are, uh, what you do, speak to your excellence, all that good stuff. Okay, what up, though? So I'm from Detroit, born and raised in Detroit. Um, how did I get into what I'm doing now is kind of where you want me to go? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'll start in middle school because that's when I discovered what a journalist was. I didn't have a traditional um, entrance into production film at all. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And I don't even know where my end goal will be, but we'll get to yeah. that later. Um, I learned what a photojournalist was and was like pictures, words. I love both. Let's figure out how I can do that. So I started a blog and I would take the bus and go to different thrift shops and all that with my little camera and interview Mm -hmm. these business owners and put that on my little blog. And I went to a really good high school in Detroit called Cast Tech, which lets you pick a major, basically. It's almost like a little college. And so my major in high school was communications and newspaper. And so on the newspaper, became broadcasting editor, which is where I got introduced to a little bit of video um, Mm -hmm. and then earned a scholarship to Wayne State University here in Detroit as well, uh, where I studied broadcast journalism. And through that, obviously, mostly writing heavy, like news writing, but um, because my my concentration was broadcast, I was introduced to uh, broadcast production. And so that was like, you know, you have a floor manager, you have a director, but they're like in the back, right? Like they're handling like what's happening on the cameras and um, was an associate producer for a class, uh, but that class, like show was produced on Detroit public television. And so became associate producer for that while I was in school, eventually the host of that. And then one of the requirements for my scholarship at Wayne State was to have an internship every single semester child. And so I feel like I've been working forever (laughs) because these internships, you couldn't stop. And so one of my internships was um, Detroit public television. And, And that wasn't like, that was very random. And so my first time PA like on a set was for this um, 
country music extravaganza. And I was really a stagehand because it was live. Yeah. So, but that was just my introduction into what this life could be, what this world was and like all mm-hmm. of that. And so something that a lot of people ask is like how I get these opportunities. And it's really just about how you perform on these jobs, right? So you mm-hmm. do like an amazing job and the people are going to want to work with you again. And so after that experience, I started getting called to be a PA or getting these opportunities to be a PA. And so my first, actually, my first job, my first big PA job was that single again music video. I had never PA'd really before besides that. That's crazy. Damn. So that was, uh, yeah, that was the very first, like, the very first one. First of all, all of that is, sounds amazing. Your journey and everything is great and, and is still continuing and whatnot. That's amazing. That's crazy that your very first thing was like some country music shit. That's kind of crazy. Oh, wow. It wasn't bad. You know what I'm saying? They were so nice. Yeah. Nah, <laughs> yeah, I bet. It was interesting. And you know what's funny? I still, while I do production stuff as well, I still work in, in music. I'm a production uh, represent or pr- promoter representative. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm going to make sure because I'm going to make sure to link some because I've you've had like a YouTube channel, too, that I remember following for a little while as well. I'm going to link all that stuff below for people to check out. But first of all, that all sounds great that it all started from photojournalism and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and kind of moved into this film world. Like, so I guess, did you almost imagine yourself like being like, I guess, not like a reporter, but maybe something like that at one point and i don't hate that idea because i was always more so into entertainment anyway uh entertainment Mm -hmm. journalism and so i would go to red carpet and do Mm. stuff like that you know what i mean and i still don't mind doing things like that and i think that influences how i view production as well because i don't necessarily um I've never been a creative writer. I've always just yeah. been a historical writer or a facts-based or news writer. And that's mm-hmm. still what I, the stories that I love to tell or things that are happening now, um, just mm-hmm. flat out or things that have happened in the past and then piecing those stories together or, you know, progressing them. But um, right. yeah, originally the idea was that I was going to get this internship at like a BET and be a host. Yeah. And I would still love to do something like that. So why not? That's what's up. No, that's great. See, it's it's interesting because, you know, um, I remember I had a class and when I went to school, I went to college at Full City University, which is a film school in Florida. Right. And they had I guess they had I don't know if it was kind of similar to what you're talking about, but they had something called HD broadcast, which was like it was kind of more like the news type stuff and like sports broadcasting and everything. And I honestly, I hated that shit. <laughs> I hated it. What because I mean, I guess maybe like I, I guess when I think about the real time situations, right, like you're saying, like things that are happening and that are happening right now, I guess I look at maybe like documentaries for that, which I guess a lot of broadcasting stuff yeah. can have documentary type work on it in there. But like broadcasting is just, you know, being on a stage. We were on a stage the whole time. You know, we had the big ass cameras um, and they had all the different green screens and graphics out there. And it just to me, it just felt like. I don't know. It just didn't feel as creative as I was hoping, you know, or as I expected, I guess I wasn't hoping much. I wasn't hoping much for that class, but, um, but also in that, during that, during that class, there was like a, a, there was almost like a huge fight that I was almost involved in, but that's a whole nother story. Um, (laughs) That's a whole nother story. Say that though, when you make that comparison to like 
you know, or that differentiation really between yeah. that kind of production because they're both productions, but completely different. These like film creative storytelling production versus mm-hmm. a, a journalism based uh, one. But I have always read the fit, wrote the fit. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So I've always felt like that in life in general. It was like yeah. I'm always like in multiple different things at once. Um, but I see my segue into film is through documentary, you know, mm-hmm. filmmaking for real. Yeah. And, and see, with all the amazing stuff that you've done and all the different sets that you've been on now, do you kind of still feel like do you still feel like though that idea from like the HD broadcast compared to like these music video sets, these film sets, commercial sets? Do you what what do you like more just from your experience mm-hmm. right now? So right now, sometimes I feel like, all right, I'm getting a little bit too deep into this film stuff because folks want me to like come up with these narratives and like all this. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> I don't want to be a filmmaker. That's another thing. I don't want to like claim uh-huh. that title as a filmmaker because then really? I feel like I have to, I don't know. I just feel like there's something I haven't yet claimed with that. And I haven't accepted in myself yet. I haven't accepted that title. Mm. I'm still saying I'm just like a content creative content producer. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. I still enjoy making content. That's like, um, say even something like this, if I were to produce your podcast and you guys were sitting there with some cameras, one of these days, yes, man, I love to make content like that. I want to yeah. do a documentary. I want to do a few. I want to mm. do some short form um, like series. Um, but I also don't mind doing a longer form film from time to time. So I don't know if, wow. what title that is. That's interesting. That's hell interesting. Because, yeah, because I think of you as a filmmaker. Obviously, because really? I met you. Because I, I met you on, obviously, on the Big Sean video, which I want to get into that real quick. I want to talk about, um, for the people who, who are listening and watching this podcast first and foremost, who know me and who have been following me, they have probably seen that I worked on the big Sean video as well as yourself. And um, that experience, right. I just wanted to kind of talk about my experience. Then I want to get into yours as well, how you got on it. But like for me that I remember I I was, what what happened? I was in, I was living in Indiana at the time. Right. And um, I think, I was getting a lot of pressure from my mom at the time because like I was I was working on music videos and commercials and doing little stuff like that. But they weren't necessarily always the highest budgets <laughs> for any of that stuff. Right. So my mom was pressuring me. Because like, hey, you, you were saying you were still right. in Indiana. Our markets aren't. OK, not there at all. Not mm-hmm. there, especially where I where I'm from in Angola, Indiana, super, super small. No market. Even Fort Wayne, Indiana, which is the second biggest city in Indiana. Not really much of a market there. So my mom's putting pressure on me like, yo, you should get a second job just to like continue to pay the bills. Because at the time it was still like, all right, I want to move to California, but I don't have the money to move to California. So I'm like, okay, let me let me get it figured out. So I remember there was this job (laughs) that I applied for. It was one of those. It's not Uber, but it's it was uh, I was going to ride a big ass van and pick up old people and take them places. That was my job. (laughs) I love that. Okay, I don't know about these hustle. I love it. <laughs> right. You know, so I was about to do that. But um, my mom actually was like, my mom gave me that recommendation or that that job because uh, she was working with some with some company that was kind of a, along with that. But they didn't take me because of nepotism. 
So, <laughs> yeah, I never end uh, up getting the job. Well, that's funny, but continue. Yeah, nah, it's, it's hilarious because, you know, it's hilarious because it's where I'm from. It's a lot of white people, right? So, <laughs> so the thing is, is like white people always use nepotism to their benefit. But that's a whole nother story. That's that's different. But um, anyway, but yeah, like specifically, I didn't get that job. So I want to say maybe a week or two later, I ended up getting a call from my cousin Hilton Day. Shout out to Hilton. Um, who who was the first AD on the Big Sean video. Um, he called me and said, hey, man, uh, I'm going to be working on a Big Sean uh, music video in Detroit. Do you want to get on it? I'm like, oh, yeah. what? Like, are you serious? Like, absolutely. Like, I've always oh. been a fan of Big Sean. And it's like Detroit is hella close. Like, it's like two hours from my hometown. So I was like, absolutely. Of course, I'm going to do that. So I drove out there on Mother's Day. Uh, stay, I worked on that for like maybe three days or something like that. And uh, that's when I met you. I met you on the shoot. Okay, how and do you remember? Because I don't. Yeah, nah, I remember. I didn't see I you. I do remember. I remember. Okay. But do you yeah. want me to say it or do you want to continue? You say it. Yeah, you say it. Okay, so I remember when I was on, um, I was working with Cherry mainly with talent and doing their releases. And so we were in the basement. I wasn't even on set half the time. And then I was finally able to go on set. And then I was looking around trying to figure out who's who because it was a lot of people. It was a lot going on. A lot, yeah. I had a walkie-talkie and somebody didn't. So I felt like, okay, I can <laughs> figure out what's going on and all of that. And I just yeah. realized when they were calling for things, I would just do it. And then mm -hmm. I realized, oh, that person's going to do the same thing as me. And I recognize you. Okay, he must be a PA. And then um, everybody just, you know, PA Nation. They be trying to get to know each other. Like, right. got to happen. So that's kind of how it was yeah no nah, it was it was definitely i think how i remember initially seeing you was probably when we were out in downtown detroit like right. on the very yeah. last day of shooting yeah. cool. uh, we were out there and i was like yo i was i'll be honest i was like yo who's this this girl's this girl's fine as hell who is this <laughs> i'll be honest <laughs> i'll be honest so your hair was a little bit more out you had like it was out you know it was on some like scissor type style Mm -hmm. um but i remember that and i was like who is that and then that's when i that i think i like spoke to you or something and then we actually were on set pretty much together the whole time throughout the day because that was a crazy ass day if you remember um so many so many background big sean is literally like on top of a fucking news van and yeah. we had to lock up the entire area it was very uh it was very tough it was a tough mm -hmm. experience because i think at the time for me that was my I had been on another big shoot somewhat sort of like that, but not at the same, not as not with like the same celebrity status. You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, nope. So it was very different. So for you on that job, first of all, how did you get on that job? And then secondly, like when you were in the moment of working on that set, like how did your, did your nerves work against you or like, or did you just kind of like follow <laughs> through with everything? Yes, so I got the job through, shout out to Cherry Mitchell, she's the HR representative over at Detroit Public Television, and I met her during that internship, and she nice. knew someone, I forget who, um, <laughs> over that was working on the Big Sean um, music video, and mm -hmm. she called me and asked if I could help her out on the last day, I wasn't on the full, you know, shoot, I was only on that last day, and so she asked me if I could come and help her out. And I was like, Heck yeah. And um, as far as nerves go, one thing about me, I do be nervous. Okay. I do be having like those feelings of like, I don't know what to expect. When you're walking into something, you don't know what's yeah. about to happen. Like it's weird. But then 
I think just my personality, like I'm, I can perceive what needs to happen. So if there is a crowd and these people need to get in this line to get a picture taken, like I understand the systems that need to happen to get that done. And I'm a proactive person, so I'll just go ahead and do it. So it's really like, um, tell me what, at that moment, it was tell me what needs to be done and I'll do it. Um, now I know to ask more questions and, you know, kind of get ahead of things. But right. that's kind of how it was. Going to set, though, I was definitely nervous because I didn't want to be in nobody's way. I didn't want to get yelled at. I didn't <laughs> want to be at the wrong place or whatever. And also, like I said, I didn't know who was who. And so when that happens, it's like, I could be asking this executive producer to get out the way. Like I didn't want any of that yeah. to happen. So um, <laughs> yeah. I was kind of on set in charge of keeping the extras where they needed to be. And that's what I was comfortable with. When it came to, they were asking, cause I remember this dude, Carlos and Blair and everybody, when they were Carlos, in YouTube, yep. like, they were asking people to do things on set. I was like, I'm gonna let them handle that. I'm gonna just handle these people. <laughs> so that's how right. I- yeah, nah, like that was uh that that was such a learning experience for myself because specifically like I always I always say that that production still to this day kind of has been one of my favorite productions of all time. I think just a, it was the beginning and I didn't know that was the beginning for you. You handled yourself like a bet. Period. You knew I, I appreciate it. I, I would say it was not necessarily the beginning, but it was definitely the beginning of like I guess my time working on these bigger type productions at a consistent rate because like that was in 2019 and then when i moved to california i kept getting on projects like that um so i moved to california october 2019 Wow. so yeah so it was it was all in the works but see the thing is is so many different things this is funny i don't know if i actually ever told you this but i remember after working on that big sean video i almost thought to myself for a quick second a very very brief second do I want to move to Detroit? I almost thought that. Literally, I almost thought about that for a few reasons, right? I think for me, one was like, I've been to Detroit a few different times before. I got family like in Flint, you know, close by and everything like that. And I and I love Detroit. Detroit to me really feels like, uh, it feels like another piece of home. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And especially on that particular shoot too, it was majority like a black crew, I felt like. So like that was kind of a that was amazing because there's been a lot of shoots that I've been on here in California that are not the same. It's yeah. majority more whites or, you know, there's mixes of different groups, but a lot of black people barely like when I work with Hilton. Right. Hilton usually always hires a black PA yeah. crew, usually. Um, and that's kind of it sometimes. So there's other times it's not really like that. But I almost thought about Detroit because I was like, all right, I met you. I had met Diamond. Shout out Diamond and Justin. All those folks, if Carlos, all, a bunch of different people, um, I was like, maybe I could work with these guys and try to build something here. But then California, there's just more things about California popping up, popping up in my mind. So I, I was think like, you eh. make the right decision. Not shitting on Detroit at all because I love Detroit. Um, but I think that was an amazing decision for you because you have just been thriving. So. Yeah, thank you, thank you. You know, I mean, Detroit is definitely. It, it would have been. It would have been cool, and I think it would have been also good to be close to home too. But at the same time. It was definitely, I think it was definitely the right decision for sure. But I do think that leap of faith, that's something that a lot of people in this um, industry grapple with, right? Everyone who usually wants to go into film is typically like, I have to go to one of a couple of different places. They don't always yeah. live in New York, LA anymore. But mm-hmm. um, how did you come to that? Like, that's a big risk. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. 
for me, it was like, it kind of made sense though, you know, cause I will tell you this. I said this on my most recent podcast, actually uh, shout out to Andrew Donville, another great filmmaker. Um, but I spoke to him about how my, what I think was an even bigger leap of faith than going to going from Indiana to California was for me to go from film school back home to Indiana in my small hometown. To me, that was a bigger leap of faith because California was like kind of already in the, it was, it was in my future. You know what I mean? It was in my future for sure. Um, but like me going back home to have to like, you know, graduate from college, go right back to my hometown that I was so desperate to leave, you know, when it was time for me to go to school, then to come back into an area that has no market for film whatsoever uh, and then try to make all my own opportunities. That was a bigger leap of faith and a more riskier move for me. So like, to me, I would say for both of those situations, because they're both leaps of faith in their own rights, but me coming back home for me to learn by my, learn on my own basically and uh, take my wins and my losses and kind of chalk that up into all these different lessons and for me to get better and everything that I start, you know, creating whatnot, that really helped form who I am today. You know, yeah. like if I didn't go through everything I went through in my hometown, exactly. I wouldn't be doing none of this, none of this. So, but California, California leap of faith was more like, I think what it was right is when I, when I, when I uh, decided it was time for me to officially move to California, I remember I, I was definitely conflicted. I was hella sad for like the entirety of October, <laughs> you know, because it's like, damn, I'm about to go away from, from my everything. mom and my, that's why everything, everything like for yourself. Right. I mean, have you, when's, when's the last time that you can remember if you, if you ever have like a time that you've had to leave your hometown, leave family behind to go do something for like a few months or a year or whatever. Never for me. I'm such a, um, a comfort driven person. Right. And so yeah. I, I typically lean towards what's familiar, what's comfortable and recently have started to embrace the, um, like you have to be uncomfortable to grow and change. Yeah, 1000%. And so I, um, have not done that yet. I think I take little bites and I definitely believe in like moving at your own pace. So I'm now absolutely comfortable. Like if I have to leave for a few, you know, months, years, even if it's like my first time ever leaving home for work was for a weekend. I went to um, Chicago by myself, like because I was on a vlog, right? You had that on your vlog. Yes, yeah. Yes. Because I wanted yeah. to go and cover this, this festival. And so that was my first little taste into that type of independence. But yeah i'm i'm, yeah. I'm not, i haven't had that experience yet it, it will happen for you for sure once you once you kind of f figure out because i had to visit california before i moved first you know and then when i visited california for the first time in 2018 uh, i worked with hilton and i also worked on a separate production as uh, as an electric one time in california that was also very interesting that's, but when that's i important. that's pivotal to your move though yeah for me, familiarity, if I can mm -hmm. go to where I want to go beforehand and build some relationships so I don't feel like I'm dropping myself into the middle of the ocean, I'll yeah. do it in a heartbeat. But I'm glad you had that experience. You were able to work there and experience what that kind of would be like before you made that jump. Yeah. And to be in truth, to be truthful, too, like I think my experience in 2018 visiting California, visiting the Bay specifically to going and moving out here is not is definitely not the same as much because those two productions one of them was an independent feature film and the other one was like a music video when i in 2018 and then obviously as soon as i moved here i worked on the very first thing i worked on was something with pinterest and then right after that i worked with steph curry 
um, which was crazy. And then after that, what the hell? I, there's a whole bunch of just whole bunch of different commercial stuff that happens here, here happens here in the Bay. So I was working a lot on that type of stuff and then eventually went to a feature film as a key PA, which was really cool. Um, I mean, so many different experiences have popped up. Now I've been starting oh, this to use... was when was this during 2020? Because you moved at the end of 2019. So were you working through the pandemic? Whew. Uh, yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. The no with like so 2020, right? Um, the beginning of 2020. What the hell was going on? So much was going on. I feel like personally and just career wise, like uh, I think personally at the time. I was talking to my ex at the time, but then I was also working on career wise. I worked on matrix four that's coming on matrix resurrections and then venom two, which is coming out as we're filming this coming out this Friday. So it's a Ben have came out once this airs, but um, I worked on those both in the same month in February of 2020. And then right after that, the pandemic happened. <laughs> so everything in the world was like, kind of like met fucked up basically so i didn't work for like maybe i want to say five months or something like that five or six but then once june came around i started working pretty consistently like it didn't stop um but then i eventually went back home and that's when i obviously met up with all of you guys in detroit uh that was yeah that's about to be a, a year ago now which is nuts but yeah all of that basically i was i was working but i wasn't working at the same time i was mainly getting certain little jobs because every production needs a pa you know so pa's got lucky to get certain jobs some pas let's say you know luckily i have a good network and and, and i work hard people respect me Thanks. so it's like i get on these different jobs goes far. you know Something you touched on that i want to ask about especially with um irc uh strike going on right uh, now yeah. is how has working in production affected your like personal life and not necessarily like relationships but just like mm -hmm. our personal growth you know what i'm saying because you can yeah. become enthralled and like you said working back to back these long ass hours and it's like uh, so yeah how do you feel like as a person are you in a person independent of your career aspirations you know what i mean Whew. well this is funny because this is definitely one of the questions so i'll, I'll answer mine and i want to hear your okay. your side of it too um well i would say the strike right in particular obviously that's that's a huge huge deal and i feel like it's going to be interesting how that affects the bay specifically because we don't have a lot of union jobs here. We have a lot more non-union stuff. Um, like whenever we do have union jobs, it's like the big, big shows or, or uh, movies that come into town every, every once in a while. But we don't have any of those coming until like early next year. But um, still, I think a lot of people, just because of the solidarity aspect of it, um, people are probably going to end up striking along with folks, even if they do get certain gigs. But people still got to take care of their lives and their families and so I don't know. It's going to be interesting how that happens, how it's going to affect me. I'm not sure. Um, I'm still going to be working. You know, I have my own production company, of course, SW Films. I'll probably if, if it gets too bad, I'll probably just go ahead and go back to Indiana and shoot a few projects over there. Possibly uh, shit. I'll come to Detroit. Come on now. Something, you know what I mean? Do something. Yeah. But um, as far as my personal life, I don't have one. <laughs> OK, I do, but I don't. Let's let me just say I do. I do have a personal life as far as because now I live on my own. So I live in my own studio, which is great. Um, I was living okay. with my aunt in Vallejo, which was, you know, it was a cool experience. But now I live by myself and I love it. It's amazing. Um, so I'm starting to kind of grow more of a personal life with myself a little bit more as far yes. as like, yes. you know, consistently working out, uh, going on hikes and different stuff like that. 
just being in my own space, trying to make food in here, like just different certain things like that. But when it comes to always interacting with folks, I definitely interact with people. I wouldn't call myself like an introvert. I would say uh, I would say I'm like an antisocial extrovert. You know what Kendrick said. That's basically how I feel, you know, pretty much most of the time. Like I I have to kind of be extroverted to to, I feel like to have the energy, energy that I have and to and to be a director and to, you know, uh, get people together to work on these different productions for my company or whatever else. Um, So I have to be extroverted in a sense. But then I'm antisocial in the spec in, in the aspect of I just I don't know. There's not always a lot of connections. I feel like I can build sometimes with people like consistently. Like sometimes I feel like I got to keep a lot of energy, a lot of my energy to myself, especially just through. Yeah, especially through my experiences in the past like few years. Like I would say like on relationships, for instance. Right. I think to myself, okay, it would be great to have uh, a girlfriend at this time. But also it's very, 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 very difficult. I feel like for me to like, to find the, the, the situation that's best for me, if that makes sense, because I'm one of those type of people. I'm always going to be, my business is my number one priority completely. Um, and plus I'm very, very passionate about my career and about what I'm trying to build with SW films and, and, and everything like that. So it's like, I, I need someone who can understand the type of passion that I'm on. They don't have to, they don't have to understand the film world, the filmmaking world, but they need to understand what kind of the passion, like that I hold, they have to understand that. Like there might be times where I might not want to talk. Like there's, there's honestly, like I'll sometimes be talking to some people and then I'll realize like, damn, I didn't speak to these people for three or four days or a few hours because I'm just over here (laughs) stuck in my head right now of what I need to do and what I need to create. And I feel like that doesn't always go well with certain people. So, um, I mean, that's a little tough, but I mean, I, I, I make sure to always like, you know, keep up with my, with my people, as far as like my friends and stuff, like for you, for instance, I always try to check up, I always give you like as a lot of, a lot of, uh, how do you say it? A lot of encouragement and, yeah. you know, hype you up and stuff like that, which is something I, I want to mention too. Cause I was thinking about this in my head of how I wanted to say this and how it's going to come out, Uh-oh. but specifically, right. When I think about my homegirls specifically, right. There's so there's, there's a whole bunch. I have a whole bunch of different homegirls who I, who I love and respect. You're in that list of people. Um, I would, I would say in a, like, I have a lot of muses, right? I have a lot of muses, but like my homegirls are in that, in that muse in a way, because there's like an inspiration I get from a lot of my homegirls as far as like how they carry themselves and, and how they, how their passion is kind of like synonymous with mine. And like, I really, really respect that and appreciate that of yourself. And when I think about that, when I think about the, the inspiration I get from my homegirls of just how I, you know, how I appreciate how they carry themselves. It, it makes me kind of think to myself a little bit. All right. In a way it's like, if whoever I end up with, like my girlfriend, wife, whatever the fuck happens, right. Is that's the kind I want. I want, I want that kind of energy. Mm-hmm. I want the energies that my homegirls carry for whoever that might be for me. I see where you're, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. So- I don't know if I said that right, but. <laughs> that's just yeah. the way I explained it but uh yeah I have a personal life a little bit I'm building it up but at the same time uh this 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 passion can be like a gift and a curse sometimes it really does feel like that just a little bit but yeah I have an aside question but it can be an offline question so you can edit this out if you want to oh go you- ahead no nah, it's excellent <laughs> podcast what's up do you date within the film industry and if so how had how did that work for you how has that been oh uh, in short, hell no. 
Um, okay. No, I was playing. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I uh, know, though. what's tea? Not well for me. It's like I haven't thought of like okay, yes and no, no. I haven't dated anybody from like the the film world. Nor do I. Nor do I really ask. You know what I mean? I feel like I don't know why, but I've always felt like my significant other would be definitely in the arts somewhere, somewhere in there. But I never thought of my significant other being a filmmaker, just because okay. I feel like. One of the reasons why I feel like I want a relationship sometimes is the fact that my my everything I talk about always has something to do with my company or with filmmaking and that kind of the creative aspect or entrepreneurial aspect of stuff. So having somebody who's not in that same world that I can delve into different Give conversations. You a with, break. Heck yeah, <laughs> exactly. That. So sure. that's why I'm like, and eh, but there's some people out there's some people sure I would. It, it just depends. Like most people who I've met in the film industry out here, I would say no. <laughs> I would honestly say no. Just, just for, not like they're not bad people, but it's just me specifically. Uh, there's not really a whole lot of relation. I feel like I see in that most times. But and I've tried. I've definitely. I, I've tried to ask one yeah. person in particular, um, but that. But I didn't get like a good. Not really a good answer. But I didn't get. I didn't get the answer I wanted. <laughs> we'll say. You know, but um, I mean, what about you, though? What, how do you manage your, your personal life outside of everything that you do? OK, so early on, I have always been like with my public facing self and my private self are very different. And I've always kind of drawn that line. Like mm -hmm. a lot of people have not experienced all of me and I'm OK with that. Right. And so I can come across very much um, all about business, all about work, all this, all I talk about on social media, for example. Mm -hmm. And I remember yeah. one time I was like, who am I outside of like the things that I do? Because I attribute a lot of my value and my success and just who I am to the things that I'm passionate about. And luckily I've been able to turn my passions into my job, right? Right. So when you when you mix the two, it's like, then those lines are blurred and crossed and it's like, who am I and who am I not outside of these things? And I remember posing a question to my social media, like, how would you guys describe me? And it was all just business related things. And I was like, but mm -hmm. I'm more than just that. And I right. have since then, you know, made it a, a note to, you know, do my business things, but also have these passions that I just, or things or hobbies or whatever, or something that mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, this is not related to work. And so I do try and have that, that personal life and then this business life as well. That's kind of the feeling. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I don't know. I feel like, because <clears throat> one thing about me, Bree, is like, I am, I have been so enthralled with like my, th this career, this passion for like, I want to say since I started college. So like, I've been out of college now for like, it'll be six years next year. And then, and then, yes, when I started college, it was like, so almost eight years, I feel like I've been really just so like in tune with what I've been wanting to do. And since I've gotten like high, better opportunities and since I've gotten to places that I never ever thought I could ever get to, like I see that what I'm trying, what I've been trying to obtain is getting closer and closer, even though I know I'm still far away, it's getting closer and closer every single time. So it's like, I can't lose the momentum that I'm on. I can't lose the drive, you know, because have you ever thought to yourself, I always think about this all the time. I think about what if I had a normal life, <laughs> you know, what if I had a normal life? What if I was working a nine to five job at my age now where I'm at working a nine to five job, 
I had, let's say I had a girlfriend who was like baby mama or something, <laughs> you know, and it's just, it just, I wasn't living the most, I wasn't, I wasn't complete opposite of me, complete opposite of who I am now. What if I was living that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think about that all the time. And like, sometimes I do get these weird, like little thoughts in my head, like, ah, you know, maybe, maybe if I just lived a normal life, maybe things would, maybe I wouldn't fucking feel like I'm insane sometimes when I'm thinking about trying to, you know, get to a certain level in my career, or if I'm trying to have certain, you know, interactions with certain folks and trying to build up relationships and all that kind of stuff. Like, I feel like, where would that, where would I be in that moment? Have you ever thought about that for yourself? Absolutely. So sometimes I, I know what it would take to be the person that I want to be and to be like excellent top notch. When I think about the women in this industry that inspire me, I'm like, all right, so I'm starting to understand a little bit the sacrifices that you guys had to make and, and mm-hmm. how much you have to push yourself, like literally like grind, grind, grind yourself to reach those heights. And then I think about who do I want to be? Like, what type of person do I want to be when I reach whatever my goals are? And it's, mm-hmm. I don't want to just be a Brianna, this, you know, producer, professional. I want to be someone that is like, well-rounded and what I think is well-rounded and have like a good family community uh whatever the case may be and so I I fight with myself back and forth sometimes where it's like all right I need to go harder I can go harder versus you know life isn't just about this right Yeah. yeah back to back on the personal side too what about you for relationships what, what's what's going on and <laughs> what's going on in the relationship side for you yeah I, I look with all my homegirls i'll be wondering like do they be dating or not i feel like most of the homegirls <laughs> i have besides maybe like besides maybe like one or two i can think off in my head right now i'm like are they single what's happening what's going yeah. on so i wasn't really much of a dater like growing up no. like wasn't the type to have boyfriends in high school through college none of that yeah. I had my first adult relationship through 2020 and oh, that really? taught me a lot. Like, I think when you have your first relationship that you put effort into that you want this to be successful, you want this to work and you're like making compromises and you're like, this is what it would be like as a, to have a partner, a union, a, a, whatever. Um, you just learn a lot about yourself. And mm-hmm. so that was good. It ended and it was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, similarly with you though this person was also a creative you know what I'm saying we also worked in the same circles um I don't necessarily hate it and it hasn't posed a problem but I'm not seeking it you know what I'm saying right right and um yeah eventually though right eventually you probably you're probably at the point now where you're just like all right I like relationships aren't the most important thing for me in my life right now Exactly. I feel it. I'm so focused on my growth and, and becoming who I want to be right now. I told my friend this the other day, it was like, I'm open to dating, but I'm definitely like not seeking it. So, right. Well, how you're 25, right? I am 23, child. 23. Okay. I thought you were my age. <laughs> 23. Okay. You're young still. Oh my gosh. Young. When's your birthday? May 19th. May 19th. Oh man, I'm gonna have to like send a birthday gift or something. Because look, but see, my, January 9th. Okay, January mine's Capricorn coming up very Capricorn. soon. Capricorn. I'm the greatest. I love cats. Come on, I'm Capricorn. But um, nah, so I, I say all that because like 
Yeah, no, I feel it. But, you know, and it's tough when you're working with someone who when you work with that person in relationships, because as you've seen with my my last short film, Sweet Mirage, my ex was in the film, you know, and she's she was a part of it. Now, luckily, me and my ex are still very good friends. She's still somebody who I respect uh, highly and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, and it's cool because it was an amicable breakup. But definitely for me when that breakup did happen because the breakup happened actually the day the film came out which yeah. was insane <laughs> insane but i guess the thing about that though was even though that relationship was gone and it was like okay she was gone it's like i was still stuck with the film that she's in and that we kind of like reciprocated not reciprocated but replicated our real relationship yeah. um, and that was a lesson for me that i had to learn mm-hmm. that next time whoever i'm dating if they're a creative <laughs> Maybe not to work with them as much or not not to work with them in that capacity, because that was something that, you know, like I said, I mean, I still have tons and tons of respect for her. She's a great person, but still it's like I that. I can imagine that could feel a little messy. It's like, damn, yeah. this looks yeah. cute. Exactly. Exactly. It's like the film, the film <laughs> is there and it's something that's going to be a part of my, my filmography and my history forever. <laughs> as far as like, you know, what people have seen with a, a film and whatnot. And that was something I had to learn, you know, um, just in the terms. Of, I mean, I'm one of those type of creatives where I like to put a lot of my personal feelings and sides of me into my work. You know yeah, what I mean? That's like that film with um, Zendaya and what's his name? Daniel Washington, David, yeah. David Washington, John, um, John David Washington, John yeah. David Washington. Um, yeah. He in the film was a filmmaker who had mm-hmm. his, his girlfriend inspired that whole thing and they had a whole little tip about it child. Malcolm and Marie yeah that was a crazy movie because that was a very toxic relationship <laughs> it, was. it was super super toxic but that was a great movie I love that it was, uh, yeah. you know but yeah putting putting your personal sides in your work can be kind of tough and in, in terms of uh in terms of that goes but Eventually, though, somebody somebody's going to want to is going to be like, all right, they're going to listen to this podcast they're gonna be like, OK, Brie is single. I'm going to go through and change her mind. Someone who's listening out there. OK, someone <laughs> look, treat my homegirl right. Don't y'all dirty, nasty ass people be coming in. OK, anyway, uh, I want to I want to go back to um, you being a PA. Right. And from the, the Big Sean video. What did you do after that? Like after that experience, which was had to be a crazy experience for you as a PA and just, you know, being a part of a set with uh, those st- those different celebrities, of course, Ryan Destiny, Keith Powers, uh, lots of great people, Lawrence Lamont, yeah. shout out to all of them. Um, I still actually speak to Lawrence Lamont too. I don't know if I've ever told you that. Me really? and Lawrence Lamont, actually, we speak uh, not often, but every now and again, probably like maybe once every one, one or two months usually. Um, yeah. Shout out, shout out to Lawrence. But anyway, what did you do after that? What was yeah. your project that you did after the single again video? So I was still in school, right? And I told you I had that internship or that uh, scholarship that made me have an internship every semester. And so I never like, even though that I like how you speak about it, right? Because it's it's a big deal. I should feel pride of being a part of something like that. But I never usually do feel those attachments to some of these projects because it's always like mm-hmm. one to the next. You know what I'm oh, saying? Of course, yeah, yeah. And so I, um, after that, had another internship at a local production company, and I was doing their social media. And I would PA on when they were um, filming. They were doing um, it's called startup television, and so they would do uh, features about small businesses all over the country. And so that's mm-hmm. what I did until 
um, I graduated in 2020 and which is PA. So I met a couple of people would do small, it's a lot of brand commercial stuff here in Detroit mm-hmm. as well. So I would just do little stuff like that for real. Yeah, no, nah, that's great. I mean, cause I would imagine, cause I, I was, I was in that same kind of boat a little bit as far as like, well, what the hell is next? I'm always like that with every project. Like there's certain projects that are more important than others. And I guess in my timeline of things that like, I'll definitely go out and like do a lot of promoting. You know what I mean? Like I did that with the Baby Keem and Kendrick video, and I'm I did just that with Shane. Into that. Yeah, yeah, you know, and just like because those projects, I, I promote those particular projects because those are like literal, literal, like those are huge moments in like the history of Stefan Whitaker. You know, as far as like how I look at it, you know. Yeah. And uh, so, what was your position on on that? On the Kendrick video. Yeah. I was a second, second assistant director. Wow. <laughs> thank you. Thank but you. Now, I, on, like, on um, projects that you PA'd on. Hold on one second. Is it too loud? I can hear it for sure. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to wait. Let's wait for a hot second. People over here celebrating in your place. Uh, they're just loud and black. No. <laughs> <laughs> they're just hiding. That's funny. I okay. think it's quieted down now okay and so even I love how you speak about the projects that you PA on because you know obviously PA is one of the lowest on the totem pole when it comes to productions I just never really feel like felt like I had the right to claim like my part in this Mm. whatever when especially back then when Mm. it was like single again I was like you were just a PA. It's like, it doesn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not something you should boast about. But now, she, um, I PA yeah. on this MasterCard commercial. Like, Come I don't on. care. Like, I'm <laughs> repping that shit, period, because I was a part of it. I assisted, right. I helped, whatever, whatever. So, yeah, I no, I would, I would say to everybody who PAs out there, because PA is definitely looked at. Pretty much as how I always like to explain PAs is that we're the freshmen of the film crew, basically. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're the ones we're that... barely the freshmen. We're the like <laughs> we're on a, a a visit of the school. <laughs> okay. Uh, damn, we still in eighth grade, is what you're saying. That's wild. <laughs> that's not bad. all the time, but that's just how it can come yeah. off, you know, because yeah. indispensable. And I mean, a lot of people feel like that. It's just like, oh, you're a blimp, whatever. right? I would say the reason why I like specifically on the Big Sean shoot too is it was it was it felt different for me because I was also part of one of the pre-production days like when I I left for Mother's Day and then I I think I got to Detroit yeah no no on Mother's Day actually I was in like a pre-production room with like Hilton uh Carl shout out to Carl he's the second AD I think it was yeah Carl um and then um Lawrence showed up as well. Then if you, I forget what the one producer's name was, the one uh, lady, I forget her name, but all those people were in this room talking about what they were going to do for the next two days on that shoot. And it was, I felt, I felt special because I was helping create like the call sheet and, and all that kind of stuff. And then actually being on set, like I had, you know, I was trying to just help out as much as possible, you know, and, and with all the different, I guess, experience and knowledge that I had, you know, just went about the day. And then I remember the very last day too, was I was driving around Hilton and Lawrence uh, to pick up some like extra shots and stuff. And uh, so I felt a little bit different. I felt special, you know, because yeah, I mean, Lawrence- yeah, no. Played a bigger role for sure. You can claim that. 
<laughs> you know, I, it was it felt cool. I felt I felt good, and I just felt good about all the people I met. You, Diamond, Justin, Lawrence, Carla. I mean, everybody who I met on set, who yeah. I really really spoke to like that, I felt good about meeting. So, yeah. it to me, it just felt like a, a much. It felt like a a greater experience than than you know usual. What? And then, I I can feel that because there that was a moment in like you said the story of you mm-hmm. that stands out because something significant happened and I had an experience like that on the MasterCard commercial because it was work even though it was like the middle of the pandemic the director wasn't even there everything was through Zoom um oh, really? it was the director that I love I she's love amazing woman child shout out to you child she's is amazing fan. I was like, I'm working on a commercial directed by child, period. <laughs> and then um, I was the key PA on that one. It was super small. So like not necessarily that's dope. I was the one who like brought on the other PAs and caught them. No, that's great. Like, Call, claim that. You know claim that. Like, yeah. yeah. So I was like lead PA on that one. And she like kind of, I was standing in for one of the talent or whatever. And she was like, who is this PA right there? And she was talking about me. And she was like, girl, you have been killing it. Like, this whole shoe, I've been seeing you. And that just felt so fucking good. I was like, uh, it's my fifth period. <laughs> so, yeah, it was like maybe something smaller, like probably, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, it's that's amazing. That out to that's me. dope. For everyone who doesn't know who Directed by Child is, Child has directed some of the most amazing music videos as of late, like for Lucky yeah. Day. I think she did something yeah. for SZA, I believe, too, and Ari Lennox. And, all the time. Like. Yeah, so many amazing people. And that is, that's incredible. I wanted to talk about that, too, because that project seemed like it was so dope. And I remember you were telling me about it. And I'm like, damn, this shit, that's hella cool. Because there's not too many, like, products I've worked on where there's, like, a legendary director yeah. Uh, yeah. attached to it. There's only been a few. Venom 2, when it comes out, by the time it could, well, by the time this airs, people have seen the picture. But I don't know if you know who Andy Circus is. Mm-mm. Andy Circus is he's a motion capture artist, right? If you've ever watched Caesar from Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, or like okay. Smeagol from Lord of the Rings, or like any crazy ass like fantasy ass monster that talks <laughs> British wise or whatever, he's been King Kong too. Like he is a legend, and he directed okay. this movie. He was also in Black Panther. If you remember Black Panther. He was the one dude named Claw. He had like the claw as an arm, the white dude, and ends up getting killed by Michael B. Jordan. I don't know if you remember that, but he that was him. That's Andy Serkis. He directed Venom 2. And then the DP on Venom 2 was actually Quentin Tarantino's DP, which was kind of nuts to like see like, holy shit, that's, that's him. Um, but director-wise, it's not been too many. There's not been too many directors where I'm like, oh shit, this dude has worked on this and that and this and that. It's yeah. only been a few. So that's really cool that you got to work with somebody who that you've already I been a fan of. Weird. Yes, that was great. And then the subject matter of it, we were highlighting Black businesswomen. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, period. Like, this is the content that I want to do. This is, you know, the stories that I want to tell. This is the projects for me. And I just feel so good being on that. That's awesome. That's amazing. I mean, as a PA though, right? As a PA, like, yeah. I, I For me, like Shang-Chi, right? Shang-Chi was such a huge crew. Venom 2 was such a pretty, pretty huge Q Matrix, huge crew. But like all of those projects, because they're those particular projects, like I'm going to talk about them, about my experience, because I had special experiences on every single one of those films. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Venom 2, I got to, like I said, meet Andy Serkis, take a picture with him, got to meet Tom Hardy in passing. I drank with Woody Harrelson in a bar like right mm-hmm. after one of the days on set. That's that's fucking insane. 
uh, Matrix. I met Keanu Reeves. I was basically next to Keanu Reeves on Valentine's Day the entire freaking night. That was insane. Um, you know, I, I have special like experiences, even on the Baby Keem and Kendrick video. I was a second, second AD, so I had a little bit more role, you know, have more, more important job than like, I guess, a normal PA would. But like specifically on that, like I remember you've seen the music video, right? Uh-huh. So, you know, in the very beginning of the music video where it's like all of them in this mosh pit and they're all kind of like, you know, going crazy, you know, in slow motion, whatever. The, we had to like, t- so it was like 40 or 50 background in that scene right so we had to hold i had to hold a, a, a rope around the entire group to keep them in place and i was the one holding the rope and wow. kendrick is right in front of me <laughs> like right in front of me the entire time and i'm like in my mind is the only it's pretty much the only production that i've been like i cannot believe i'm here right now yeah. because kendrick lamar is one of my favorite artists of all time he's in my top five of all time yeah and to like literally be working with this dude it was something in the back of my mind where i was like I know that I want to work with Kendrick. I just didn't know when. I didn't know how or where it was going to be at. And then it just happened to be there. It was one of those moments that I manifested that came true to where it's like, I can, like, it made me believe in so much more shit, like of, yeah. of, about my career and about manifestation and just, you know, speaking things positively, you know, and uh, that was incredible. That was incredible. So, but as a PA, I like to claim those things as far as like my experience, because my experience is definitely, it I can definitely claim that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. One thing, though, I wanted to ask for you uh, with the idea of a PA, right? I remember once, I think in your bio, I remember I used to see uh, that you had put your PA in your bio on like Instagram and stuff like that. Like, was that when you were, when you started PAing a little bit more, did you want to start to claim, I guess, more PA work? Did you think about trying to move up in those different positions in those different yeah, uh, departments? Yeah, I think I had seen uh, maybe someone had PA in their bio. I had wanted to be more clear about what I do. And at the time it was like heavy. I was like working on um, no sudden moves. And I had did, I think black mafia family after that, but definitely on no sudden moves during that time. Mm-hmm. I um, was like, Ooh, I, I found out what like a second AD was, what an AD was. And I was like, I could see myself being in those roles. And so, this is the, you know, trajectory to get there. I don't know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you are over here doing huge fucking things as a producer. Producer. Cool stuff so far. Yeah. Come um, on. Talk about that. How did you, first of all, talk, tell me about that first gig that you did as a producer, how you got into that role and just how that whole experience was. Yeah, I was definitely thrown into it. Uh, it was one of the connections that I know. This guy in Detroit named Aaron Dawson, he um, owns a company and hit me up and was like, do you want to produce this like Q-Line? Q-Line is this transportation system in the city. And so he's like, do you want to produce this Q-Line commercial? And I was like, yeah. And like, he just literally like put me in, it was like, he hadn't even won the bid yet. And so it was mm-hmm. like, we were starting from super de scratch, but it was cool wow. because I was able to be um, kind of mentored through the process. I was leaning heavily on him for like, what is supposed to happen next? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Obviously as a PA, you join when a lot of these things are already built, you're just there kind of assisting the day of, but as far as like pre-production hiring through, definitely had my fair share of learning to do about budget, um, yeah. all of yeah. that. So that was cool. Um, sorry, I'm trying to like bring myself back there. 
yeah like what 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 was the project for first off yeah so q1 hold on wait, wait, wait. let me think let me think because <laughs> i i've done a couple now <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, big shit. Look, no, that's what the- <laughs> Hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That was smooth, yo. That was no, very, very smooth. Make sure I'm- that was hella smooth. Oh, no, I'm lying. Totally, totally, totally lying. It wasn't QI. It was Rocket Mortgage. Okay, there we go. Okay, Rocket so, Mortgage, yes. This was so, such a stressful time in my life. Okay, I would love to tell this story. So my first commercial, <laughs> I was not in Detroit I was in Chicago for my birthday weekend with my then boyfriend and I got the call and he was like Brie I need you to hop on this call real quick and you know we started the process while I was like out of town so I was stressed like hella stressed trying to just make sure I was on top of my game and Mm -hmm. I'm meeting clients like I'm meeting Rocky Mortgage in Detroit just billionaires millionaires you know what I'm saying like that's big and so Um, you know, figuring out what the story is that needs to be told. It was for the emergency benefit broad, uh, emergency broadcast benefit, which is like a federal program. They were bringing um, discounted internet to individuals in the city who need it. And so um, working with them and getting like a script and, and casting and locations and crew and all of that. And they needed to shoot it in like two weeks. And so it was ridiculous. I was, I had, that's when I had my breakthrough. Like every, I have epiphanies all the time, but that was the first time I had ever like broken down, like falling, crying, freaking out, anxiety attacks, just freaking ridiculous trying to like balance just that in life. Like I'm celebrating my birthday here. Like, what are you talking about? I'm not even (laughs) home. I'm like, you know, oh my goodness, that was ridiculous. But it definitely taught me like just emotionally how to handle these situations like to just I don't know I have my processes now when it's like I'm starting a project or I'm you know becoming stressed or overwhelmed in this crazy ass job Mm -hmm. I have my processes that I do to like stay level-headed and just keep moving and then I learned like as a producer like I can't do that and that's not even me like that's not even my personality type I'm not the freak out person like I'm yeah. very level-headed <laughs> like there's a solution yeah. to this. but for some reason mm-hmm. it was just like a lot of pressure on me and uh yeah figured it out got it done it went hella well like I just be putting yeah. so much like um <laughs> I don't know I just have very high expectations of myself and yeah. expect myself to rise to the occasion and I did mm-hmm. it's pretty good that's great I mean I- I've been there I've been there where it's been like you you're in that moment and you feel like things are like kind of going wrong or feel like you're not doing the best that you possibly could. And you start to kind of like, that's where the nerves play against you. And it's just like things, especially when you're, when you realize you're responsible for a whole crew, especially as a producer, (laughs) like you're responsible for the whole crew, the budget, how the clients feel you're responsible for that in a lot of ways, you know? Um, but of course that all goes to like the team that you had to help you be comfortable and help, you know, help you calm those nerves down and let you know, like, Hey, think we're going to get this shit done. Things are going to be nice. And I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for that because that's, that's, that's an amazing thing to like to feed because for myself, I've, I've produced a lot of, I mean, basically every single product that I do for SW films, I produce, Mm -hmm. and they're not like always gigantic projects, you know I mean? But 
specifically the last production that I, I would say that was kind of a decent sized production that I produced was this music video for this R&B singer, Dion Jada. Shout out to Dion. Um, shot a music video for her uh, sometime like in May, I think of this year. And I had a decent crew, but I wanted to make sure that the experience overall was good for her. Like I remember I brought on a, uh, like this girl who was like 13 or something, a job, she was like a job shadow sit-in person to like who wanted to be an actress and a singer. So I was like, all right, here, first day on set, you can go ahead and, you know, kind of ask questions to Dion and how she does her stuff and this, that, and the third. And then we shot in a black, uh, newly opened black owned restaurant too, to give them some business, you know, just from putting their video in the, or putting their place in the video, you know? So I don't know. I mean, I always like to make sure that people have a good experience when they work with me. And, and that's just more of the producer side that comes out Absolutely. of it. Like the director side is how I treat my actors and the crew and stuff of the producer side, just making sure people are feel comfortable. You know what I mean? Uh, even when we're all thrown into the fire, it's like, if there's any way I can shield everybody, <laughs> you know, let me try to do that the best way possible. I'd be apologizing for shit that's not even my fault. I'd be like, I'm so sorry, how can I help fix this? Oh, girl, that ain't even got nothing to do with you. I know, but. <laughs> that's amazing that you did that project. And like I said, I'm proud of you for that. How, how, how many more producer gigs have you gotten since then? So after that, I actually skipped a step, right? So I went straight from PA to producer. I didn't even coordinate at that point. And so oh, after right. that, yeah. I had become a production coordinator, um, working with oh, the nice. local company, um, get super rad. And so oh. I would be a PA, PPA slash like coordinator and just making sure coordinating things were done. But yeah. my first like huge, real deal, million, multi-million dollar coordinating um, job was for this Blue Cross Blue Shield commercial. I haven't even posted it yet because I feel oh, like wow. I didn't have years off of my life. <laughs> working on that damn project oh, wow. and I really got a taste of what that is supposed to be in terms of like I had to make like a pre-pro book we were flying people in and out from um different cities we had to yeah. do like rent like those um prep days we had to get some yeah. random shit last minute like it was just super duper duper crazy like they were still finalizing scripts and this that and the third it was like wild Wow. And, um, you know, handling all the coordinating needs throughout the production, that's fine for me. Like, you know, set school, just get what needs to be done, done. And then, yeah. like, going through rap, that was my first time going through rap. That shit was ridiculous. It's still not <laughs> It's easy. a lot, I right? Yeah. I still get emails to this day. I'm like, yo, I don't know what's going on. Leave me alone. Like, I'm not <laughs> even with that company no more. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. Being wow. a coordinator made me realize mm -hmm. I don't want to necessarily do that but um yeah no <laughs> it's a lot then, it's a lot yeah i just keep working with the same people for real and so i worked with aaron multiple times i worked with um uh get super rad a couple of times and now my friends are you know who i've made in the industry are writing scripts and they want me to help them out with those things and that's something that i'm always told to like pursue like my own independent production like i want to do a documentary a thousand, yeah. start that stuff you know what i'm saying and i don't know what's holding me back i haven't decided to take that leap but i'm definitely down for helping my friends and so that's what i'm doing right now it's just not you know. for sure like i always be planning my different projects in the future and best believe there's a project that i want to do 
about like black love and all this kind of stuff a little a little like in the future but i've already tagged my you as my one of my producers for sure on the shoot black love yeah you know because i i've literally been thinking about that for a long time now i actually thought of i've had this particular story in my head honestly since the big sean shoot um after meeting like keith and ryan because i had met i had like heard about them beforehand but i'd like when i actually seen them on set that's when I kind of kind of reminded me like, oh, shit, these guys are actually like an actual couple. And and like my time talking to them on set was hella cool, like hella cool, hella cool folks and whatnot. So um, I for sure want to have you as a producer on that in due time whenever that whenever that happens. But um, as far as you producing, right, what tell me this out of the stuff that you learned in college, mm. is there anything that you applied to that those producing jobs was there anything that you learned in college from any of those classes that you can remember that you utilized into your work on those jobs as a producer or a coordinator or as a PA even sure probably plenty of stuff obviously not abstractly right because I didn't go to school for film but um let me think let me think let me think (laughs) okay so this is how I think about certain things, right? Mm-hmm. My, um, she was like my counselor, not my counselor. What's it called? Therapist. Advisor. Oh. She was my <laughs> advisor in college, right? And we yeah. were in the learning community. And she would always say there's fact and story. Mm-hmm. And this was for anything. If we were late, like, and they were so strict on time, but if you were late, you were kicked out. And so like, mm-hmm. there's the story, like your car may have broken down you know what I'm saying, on a freeway or some family emergency happened. That's your story. But the mm-hmm. fact is that you were late. And so if you break that rule, it's like gone. And so mm. <laughs> and so, I think about that when it comes to like problem solving. It's like, I don't care how this thing happened. Like the fact is that it happened and I need to get something done. I don't care what, I don't know. That's just how I approach like solving and, and coming up with solutions for things on the fly or whatever it had to do be with mm-hmm. the producer that's how I kind of keep the fluff out of it that's how I keep emotions out of it it's like whatever needs to be done it needs to get done um yeah. what else definitely punctuality I'm not one to be late whatsoever I if yeah. I'm late it's rare <laughs> um, yeah well that's great because look because people like <laughs> I like the idea of color people time like that that whole <laughs> that whole like analogy is just so wild and uh yeah I try to I try to be at on time as possible um yeah but, yeah because I feel like even besides just black people saying oh he on color time you're you gonna take a minute to get here I think just shit now it's becoming the point that's spilled over into these other <laughs> other races and ethnicities so they just expect that they say the same shit too yeah you know so that's good keep up with that all the black people out here watching that I know are creatives and entrepreneurs in this kind of, kind of space, please be on time, be before time. Shit. You know, yeah, yeah. all that, but go ahead, continue with what you were saying. I mean, I don't know. It's really hard to identify anything specific. Um, yeah. Sorry. No, that's good. I think you, I think you kind of answered that. I think you, there's probably definitely a lot of things that like that you were doing on set that you probably didn't realize like, Oh shit, this is something that I had. Yeah, that I had applied in school and or that I had applied while I was in school, you know, and I think that's just amazing as well. Just that you could 
could get to that level to jump from yeah. like a PA to just all of a sudden all these different producing gigs. And like I said, it's only going to get bigger. Like you just did the blue cross blue, blue health, like that it's going to be bigger to where now it's going to be some more music videos where that will happen. Some films, you know, it's just like, it's amazing. It's good. It's amazing. Detroit, right? I want to talk about Detroit because you are a Detroit native. And one thing I know about you that I, that I see about you as well is that you love Detroit. I love Detroit. That's home. <laughs> you love Detroit. And uh, I want to ask you, what was it like for you growing up in Detroit? What yeah, was that? I, what was your childhood like growing up and and all the way up until who you until who you are now, obviously? Okay. Yes. Yeah, so I grew up on the east side of Detroit. And you know, every city has their distinctions between what area you grew up in. And the east side was considered like West Side was more affluent. And so the east side, um, I grew up in the hood, but I always say that I grew up in the hood, but I'm not from the street. So my parents yeah. were very, yeah. I was sheltered, you know what I'm saying? Grew up pretty religious. And so I, I wasn't hip and honestly, I'm probably still not hip to a lot of, you know, street things. But yeah. I really, really claim the east side of Detroit because I feel like that's what made me a down to earth, humble, hustling woman. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So went uh, to Cast Tech, which was another like it's like history in the city, mm-hmm. right? You go to Cast Tech. That's if you're trying to either just improve yourself, excel, go far. That's one of the high schools that you want to go to, and that changed my idea about what was possible for my future. You know what I'm saying? I didn't get caught up in the unfortunate perils that our system like uh, puts on young women, as far mm-hmm. as like getting caught up in like sex and pregnancy and drugs and drinking and none of that I was like really focused on my studies and then um it's black as fuck black 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 as fuck so really my lens (laughs) was that like I didn't realize how white the world was until I was in high school college I was like oh this I'm the minority okay like I didn't realize that but yeah um that has also shaped how I want to tell stories and just the impact that I want to have in, in helping other Black people realize our value and, you know, what we can contribute and how, how pivotal we are to just society in general. Right. Um, Detroit yeah. people, I think, are cool. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, <laughs> down to earth, just very yeah. much like I don't have a problem until there needs to be a problem type person. A little flash, mm-hmm. I don't mind our little, you know what I'm saying? People like to have their sauce. I just think it's <laughs> the style, like, yeah. Not without its flaws. Like it's um in terms of like marketability, I don't know. So I studied like history in, mm-hmm. in college and just learning about the past of Detroit. It's like we didn't live up to what our potential could have been. And that's because of a lot of the leaders that we had in the city. And I think that's unfortunate. I think we have immense potential in terms of like our land, you know what I'm saying? In terms of how right. we can scale and grow and, and what markets we can tap into is just right now on the brink of that I think so yeah yeah that's amazing like one thing that you said in, that you just said re, you know I remember talking about like you growing up in a, in a very black place obviously in east side Detroit uh to where college is like the very first time you like like I guess noticed like oh shit I'm a minority you know okay. Uh, it's interesting. I don't know if you remember when we, when I came back home in like November or December, whenever I met up with you guys last year, yeah. when I came back and I remember I talked about how, 
uh, I grew up basically the opposite of that. Right. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I grew up around majority white folks. I grew up kind of, I guess, knowing that I was a minority, you know, my Mm -hmm. family had to tell me kind of early on specifically about what, you know, the situation that was going on. But as I, as I went into college, things changed. Like when I went to college, when I went to full sale in Florida, like I was not just introduced to a whole lot more black people, but like Puerto Ricans, you know, uh, Haitians, just a whole bunch of different cultures in school, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, that, that was amazing. And especially even being out here in California, I'm experiencing that even more um, Mm. that I never knew, even in my past relationship, like she's, she's a Eritrean. So like, I had to kind of learn about that whole dynamic with Ethiopians and Eritreans and Eritreans and uh, even how they kind of view black Americans, uh, mm-hmm. very different, very <laughs> a whole different topic. But like that, that was something that was interesting for me to kind of delve into that, you know, because uh, I feel like obviously once we go into college, our whole perspective on life kind of really, really takes a huge change. You know, like when you went to, when you went to Wayne state, and it's funny because I actually I almost went. I, well, I didn't go to. I was not almost going to go to Wayne State, but I remember that. I think they have a football team there, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought about playing football in college, and Wayne State was I think on the list of like schools that kind of like got approached to me at one point, and I yeah I never ended up going obviously. But um, what was it like going to Wayne State? What was that whole experience like? And why did you choose to go to school in Detroit? Yeah. College? Like, yeah. Yeah, I credit my experience at Wayne State to where I am today. Um, it's while it introduced me to a lot of different cultures, opened my eyes to the demographics of the world, it's still in the heart of the Blackest city. And so the program that I was in was the Jim Institute of um, Media, Media Diversity. And so our emphasis was on finding um, success for minorities. You know what I'm saying? And so Wayne State introduced me to professionals around the world, professionals locally, taught me how to network um, ethically, you know what I'm saying? And trying to, dang, I lost my comment because I got distracted. Ask me again. Like, well, what what made you choose Wayne State? Like, why why did you go? Did you have any other options to, like, go to school outside of Michigan? Or what, what uh, how did it lead you to stay in in Detroit? Yeah, so I wasn't ever the type to really be like, oh, I have to go to college. I need to want to go to college and leave home. It was just like, that's what was supposed to be my path. I was smart in high school, so and I didn't necessarily know what I wanted to do after high school or what I could have gotten into. Um, besides, like I said, my family was very religious, so it was either follow my own path and my passions or go into the full-time um, biblical ministry. And oh, I wasn't wow. sure I wanted to do that. <laughs> so, no way. They, you would have been doing that. That's what you almost would have been. That kind of would have been my path. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. That's <laughs> and so crazy. I got the scholarship. I got scholarships to a couple of schools um, yeah. in Michigan. I only applied to like schools in Michigan because like I said, I wasn't trying to leave home like that and um, chose Wayne State. And yeah, it was, it was good. It was a cool experience. That's that's great. See, one thing I love about one thing I really loved about when I worked on the Big Sean video is just like I think what made me like really love that experience a lot, too, is like I was kind of seeing who it, it felt like a lot of local folks were mm-hmm. who were from Detroit worked on that, you know, local filmmakers and stuff like that. That was really amazing because 
you know, when I when I think about Michigan as well, because Michigan, like there's a place called Coldwater, Michigan, which is like literally like a fucking quick drive from where Angola, Indiana is like Michigan. I could it would take five minutes to drive over to Michigan. Um, so I always think of like Michigan and Indiana. Obviously, it's all the Midwest. So it all has like a similar vibe to it. Um, but I even think that way when it comes to creatives, like I feel like the 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 weight of the creatives and the amount of the creatives here in California or like New York or Atlanta is much, 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 much bigger and larger than it is probably in anywhere in the Midwest, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I feel like there's not there's creatives in the Midwest, 1000 percent, but definitely not at the same size as those bigger places. Um, so when I think about those smaller communities, it, it always like excites me because like, oh, these are who these local f- folks are in the city. And I want to say, I want to ask you like, what, what is the industry like, I guess, in Detroit? Cause when I see that all the stuff that you work on, I'm like, damn, she's out here really, really working. Detroit must got like a, it must got a community. Cause I don't know, you know, I don't know if it has a community or not. So I, I guess, what is your take on it? Is, I mean, is it a pretty decent sized community as far as the film industry and just creatives in general? I wouldn't say it's at all comparable to any of the places you named <laughs> at all. Yeah. Um, it's pretty small. I think a lot of folks find their success in the commercial side of things, the film side of things. Um, like we recently last weekend had the Detroit Film Fest. And obviously just because you have a camera don't mean you need to be making a movie. So it's like it's people <laughs> yeah. out here doing stuff for sure, you know what I'm saying? But the quality of it, I don't think it's um, all the way there, but there are of course hidden gems everywhere. And so mm-hmm. I've been fortunate enough to have like a really good, talented network. Like I feel mm-hmm. like everyone that I've worked with on the corporate side or on the creative film side, or even on like the branding side have just been excellent at their craft. and. It's beautiful that they're still here because they don't have they don't need to be. You know what I'm saying? Like they could probably do very well in somewhere where they would get more lucrative, consistent work. Um, mm-hmm. That's something that I I think about for my future. I've never been a five, 10 year plan type of person, but I've recently been putting thought into it. And if I want to leave, um, I'm open to working and going anywhere. But I definitely want to facilitate more of these things in Detroit for the creatives who want to be here. You know what I'm saying? I think it, mm. it'd be a great opportunity. That's sure. that's that's very beautiful because what you said is is something that I think about a lot about my hometown is like creating something that other people can facilitate here in your spot to help other creatives who are just trying trying to get started, helping them have uh, somewhere to somewhere to go, somewhere to kind of you know follow a path to follow. Yeah, that's amazing because I don't know Detroit. Obviously, Detroit has such a such a rich history in just the entire like United States. You know what I mean? Detroit is such, is one of those places that you know for some people that some people think that maybe Detroit has had like some big downfalls and then it's kind of started to like come back up in the past like decade or so. Obviously, you know, Michigan and Detroit in general has been big in the automotive industry. So that's always been like its number one shining thing as far as like GMC and Ford and all those big ass manufacturers. Um, So when it comes to like the creative side of it, it's it's interesting just to hear where it's at. Like, obviously, I imagine like with music, right, like in the, the music scene in Detroit, there's obviously a pretty big music scene. I mean, you look at people like Eminem, uh, Big Sean, fucking. uh 
who else, man? I know I'm forgetting I mean, who I Even like those <laughs> are like those who made it. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. in here in the city, and I feel like I swear Vizzo, like Babyface or Baby Smooth, 42 yeah. Doug, these are people who like are are starting to get that commercial success from the city. And I feel like that that there could be more of that. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Like I feel like when it comes to like the certain like certain places, you know how there's certain cities in the world or in yeah in the world but it's specifically in america where it's like okay these cities are produced the most talent like a lot mm-hmm. of people to me it's sometimes what i think about is obviously new york city just new york in general um you look at chicago chicago produces so much talent detroit is on that yeah. list of places yeah, that i've always compared so and considered detroit and sh- like i remember the first time i went to chicago and i realized how detroit was in chicago and i was disappointed but in my mind <laughs> i was like yeah. Detroit and Chicago, like they're synonymous. What are you talking about? And I yeah. feel like Detroit can be on that level. I know it can. Absolutely. And 1000%. Not just like in terms of the people it yields, but it's infrastructure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Detroit actually, uh, Detroit is very, 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 very reminiscent of Oakland mm. completely. Detroit and Oakland have yeah, such a I similar energy, a suit like. The people kind of, well, I wouldn't say the people are always the same because the Bay Area just has a very specific kind of culture, which that I love. And I think is the Bay Area is just it's so specific in their culture. But Oakland and Detroit, the city itself has a very synonymous feel. Um, it's just as far as sometimes the layout kind of feels oddly enough the same in some ways. Um, sometimes, you know, they, they got the Detroit tough attitudes. Like Oakland kind of has that same little version of oh, whatever that might be, Oakland tough hyphy whatever it might be (laughs) you know they might have something that could be compared to that and i don't know yeah detroit detroit is just such a special place and that's why i thought about moving there i think it's the people because if it it wasn't for like me and y'all i probably would have said nah i don't know i don't really know anybody out here i don't know what the energy is gonna be like but i'm like no i just met some hella cool ass people i feel like i could work and create with you know um and that's why i think detroit is just an amazing spot it just has so many hidden gems it also reminds me a little bit of gary indiana for the for the good reasons though, because <laughs> a lot of people don't a lot of people look at Gary crazy, um, but Gary and Indi- Gary and Detroit have some similarities too, in, in some in some ways, uh, on a positive side and maybe a negative side too, just a little bit. But um, as far as you though wanting to step away from Detroit eventually, uh, where could you see yourself? Where where do you want to go if you even want to leave? Yeah, it's so funny. I had this conversation with somewhere er- someone earlier. I honestly feel like I'm the type of person who would follow the work. <laughs> so I don't have a dream life where I'm envisioning a specific city. I have a dream life where I'm envisioning me doing a specific thing. And that is whatever the hell I want to do. That's my goal in life is to be able to wake up and decide what I want to do for the day and yeah. be all right. So um, yeah. obviously when I was like, like in 2020, I was considering moving um, to New York or Atlanta or even um, California somewhere. I wasn't sure. Um, But that's just because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to do anything because that's the path that most people take. That's the path that is, you know, supposedly going to lead me somewhere. I want to make decisions based off of my life and my life Mm -hmm. trajectory. And I'm, also sometimes grappling with that where it's like I don't want to be you know stagnant I want to see the world I want to travel I want to be whatever but I also have to move at my own um right life's pace like 
following my intuition and, and wherever that leads me. So I'm down for That's whatever. Real. I'm down to leave the country. I can't even consider a, a Canada. Yeah, because you're right there. Right I mean, here. I love it to <laughs> you go across the bridge. I mean, it's right there. Yes. <laughs> and Canada has a nice film industry, actually. Probably. <laughs> Yeah, no, they really do. They that Canada actually has a nice film industry. Um, they actually do a lot of stuff over there, so that would be perfect. Um, that, that's it's interesting you say that though. I mean, with with um, maybe with like I guess you said that being sheltered, did that kind of maybe keep you a little bit in Detroit and in Michigan just for a little bit though? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think um, my upbringing was like very it wasn't even like super family oriented we are not like besties like that so i don't want to go <laughs> i'm like oh i'm scared to leave my mom like i know i love that woman and she encourages me to do what i need to do and leave and all of that but it's like i said i am such a a comfort driven person and something that people always have told me and i don't know if for some reason sticks with me is like you know save as much as you can live with your parents for as long as you can because there's stuff out here and don't tell me that child because i'm not trying to be struggling <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're at home i'm staying at home but i definitely yeah. am yearning and see i just literally wrote down to tell you this i wrote down in my journal last night what my five-year plan is mm-hmm. and it is to live in detroit but be able to travel for work wherever necessary and possible and that's just five years and that's like this time's going like this This goes by quick yeah you get into the tens and stuff who knows but that's kind of where i see myself uh being more independent but definitely you know cultivating life at home that's great and that makes part of part of that kind of makes me happy too because I always want to, for my people like like yourself and and people back in Indiana, like I always I want everyone to be successful or whatever it is that they want to do. And I was like, sometimes I think, oh well, like for instance, for a lot of creatives, right? I feel like some people see that I'm in California, and the, the reality of it all is, and maybe the the unrealisticness of it too, is that if I wasn't in California, would I be this successful still? Mm-hmm. I ask myself that a lot sometimes. Like I think about mm-hmm. what if I did move in 2019? What if I stayed the rest of the year in 2019 in Angola, Indiana? Um, where the hell would I be? And I've, yeah, I would have been depressed. I would have. Yeah, <laughs> so true. Not I about the depressed, but like now, like thinking about myself. Not that I feel like I'm limiting myself, but definitely I need to be willing and and push myself I know I'm the type of person that needs to like force myself to do something mm-hmm. um to rise to that occasion and challenge and see I need to allow myself to fail that's one thing that I hate mm-hmm. I hate not being good at something I hate failure it sucks <laughs> I don't like it so if yeah. I'm scared that I'm not going to be good at something it, it takes me such a long time to even get started on it and so that's something like I said I'm becoming more comfortable with being uncomfortable I'm also embracing failure a little bit more too so maybe you have to like (laughs) no 1000 percent. you got a place to stay you come through it's (laughs) it's all love out here like but my thing is too is what i mean by i'm happy with that is because i know that like i always want to make sure that i have a base back home you know like indiana the midwest it's home like believe Mm -hmm. me when i'm out here people will tell you and i and i've and i've started to see myself do it kind of sometimes not on purpose, sometimes it's on accident. Sometimes it's just like an automated response. I'll let people know, look, I'm not from the Bay. I'm from Indiana. 
you know, I, I've, I come from Indiana where there's hella corn, you know, <laughs> and all this kind of shit. And, you know, a lot of people sometimes will shit talk Indiana because, it's, oh, it's Indiana. It's the home of the Ku Klux Klan. It's all this other kind oh, of wild ass shit. Right. You know, and like, but at the same time, Indiana is still, if it wasn't for me growing up in, in Angola, if it wasn't for me, you know, going through everything that I went through growing up, I would not be the person that people, you know, like or love or respect out here in California. You know what I mean? So uh, I love that I would still have a base there as far as like people I can create with out there, because like I, I, I'm with you. I want to be here in the Bay, but still traveling like I kind of already have been traveling back to Indiana, working on stuff out there or traveling to Detroit and working on stuff with you or Diamond or whoever the fuck else, you know, or traveling to Chicago to go work on something just like. I like that because obviously it's like you, you already know like what you're doing is going to lead you to wherever the fuck, like you said, like yeah. you're, you're in that trajectory. Like I know sometimes like for me, right. I always wonder how some people look at like, I guess my success. I remember you commented on the, um, on the Shang-Chi thing. I forget what you had said, but it was a really nice comment. Um, I'm gonna see if I can find it low key. Actually. What I say? <laughs> it was a really nice comment. Um, hold on. Because it it made me real, it made me think to myself like, okay, how do people look at me? And uh, and uh, where's that? Where's that? Where's that? Okay, you said I'm in awe at your talent and success. Such a humble and supportive friend. Proud of you. Oh, Legendary. oh my gosh! Yes. Yeah. Because I feel like you still show so much love to anybody you've met across like your journey. And that's kind of how I want to be as well. I'm not ever shitting on nobody who is at any space in their life. You know what I'm saying? I don't, mm-hmm. none of that. And I just appreciate you, you know, like you said, how you want to be a supportive friend. I appreciate your support. And I also want to show that to you as well. I appreciate that. I appreciate, thank you. And, and see, but what I want to tell you is that however you may feel about me, you're already in that same category though. For <laughs> real though, because there's different, there's different facets of, of like, I guess, uh, different facets of what's the word I'm looking for? Not legendary. Cause then, then I feel like I'm just over here inflating the hell out yeah, of Yeah, be legendary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, of course, this is the excellent podcast. So there's different facets of excellence. That's what, it, <laughs> that's what it is. That. The thing is, is like you have, like I said, there's stuff that I see from you that I'm like hella inspired by. And let me tell you, I am not a person who is easily inspired by anything. (laughs) I'm not inspired by a lot of shit, at least not by a lot. I'm inspired by a lot of things, but I'm not inspired by a lot that I see personally sometimes from some people like, you know, that's no diss to anybody, but there's just not a lot of stuff that I see that I'm like, okay, this is really, really amazing. I'm really just inspired by how you're moving in a place like Detroit, which is not like a community, like a Bay Area or like a LA or wherever the hell else, but you're making the best out of it. Like you're getting yeah. opportunities yeah. that people, there, there's people that you might not even know that like look up to you and be like, I cannot, like Abriana is my favorite person. I want to learn everything that she has learned. I want her to teach me. Do you ever think about that for yourself? Like, so do you I- ever think about how important it is to be who you are for certain people? Oh my gosh. So I recently met with the life coach. And oh, she read go. me for filth, okay? She didn't read me, but I was like, yeah, I was talking about how I'm always inspired by other people as well. And yeah. we were talking about trying to find my why and my purpose and just all of that. And she was like, um, do you think about that? Do you think about how you may also be a source of inspiration for other people? And that could be also a reason and why you're doing what you're doing. Because I felt like I was being selfish. Like a lot of the things that I do, like I'm... Um, 
you know, finding success in my career. My mother is supporting me through that. And just like all these people who are supporting me, I just felt like it was just too much like me, me, me. And I wanted to prove that I, I want to help and give to others. And mm-hmm. she said, you can help others by being your best self. Like you can be a, a help to others and inspiration or whatever by, mm-hmm. by being successful. Absolutely. Um, and something I literally wrote this down while we were were talking because I want to put this on Instagram. Go ahead, <laughs> but, absolutely. Um, black women are so responsible for many of my firsts in this industry, and I didn't realize that until this conversation. Wow. My high school journalism teachers who introduced me to my high school, my college advisor who gave me the scholarship, who then pushed me to have uh, that DPT B inter uh, internship, which then led me into PA, and so. Yeah all of these black women are responsible for where I am today. And I want to be that for other people as well. Wow. And so I, I try my best to like share everything, put people yeah. on all that, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm starting great. to embrace that and not run away from who I feel like I'm destined to be and run away from my greatness. I used to really, really, really like try because I was just raised on humility, right? Just like, you don't want to, Mm-hmm. both be boastful or prideful and it's like a negative thing and I'm not like I'm not bragging on myself but you also have to realize who you are and what your potential are and how great you are and that's that's good stuff too so absolutely that's a little bit no one thousand percent yeah that's what I'm saying like and that's what the whole excellent podcast is about is like I want people to like humble brag about themselves you know, <laughs> you know what I mean because my thing is this right I, like how I how I look at that in terms just for myself is I know where I come from too. Like I know the history of what it is to be me in the history of my family. Like, you know, my family. So I told this on one of the last podcasts, but my family was the first black family to live in the town of Angola, Indiana, which Angola is a super small town. It's only 8,000 people, but like in Steuben County where Angola is in, has like 101 lakes, apparently. I don't know if that's true or not, but 101 lakes is what it's known for. <laughs> and there's an area called Fox Lake where there, most of the Black people back in the day would live at, which wasn't like a huge populace of Black people, obviously, because my family came there was like in the early 1950s or something like that. So basically, you know, uh, we, that the, the racism shown back then was, was much more hands-on. Let's just say that, you know? So... Um, my family broke down in Angola, Indiana, and they were told like, hey, y- y'all can't live here. Y'all go to go Fox, go to Fox Lake. That's your area to be at. That's where all the other black people are at, you know. Um, but my grandfather was like, no, I'm not doing that. He went he had to walk to Fox Lake to like find find some people to help him out with his vehicle and stuff like that. And, and you know, all that. But once he got settled, he's like, nah, I'm going to live in this damn town. Y'all are not going to push me and my family out. Y'all are not going to touch us. Y'all are not going to tell us what the fuck to oh do. Oh, my gosh. Listen, I love that. He's crazy. But I <laughs> exactly. You know, and he built it up. And, like, my entire family on my mom's side is born from, you know, my, my aunts and uncles and my mom born there. And I was born, well, born in Fort Wayne, Indiana, but raised in Angola. So, like, I feel like I feel like my hometown, I owe something to my family specifically more of my immediate family, but I owe something to the, the legacy of my family. So that's why when I think about, damn, if I could be, what if I was like a normal ass person, not saying I couldn't be great in that space either, 
you know, but I feel like the way how, you know, through my interests and the things that I love, I I feel like I have to be great in what the hell I'm doing. I can't be an average person. And it's not like you have to, but I understand because you want someone who's grow a black kid who's growing up where you came from to say like, oh, he came from here. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That's crazy. Exactly. And that's why for yourself, I love that you say that like black women have been the part of all of your firsts, which is like amazing, you know, Mm -hmm. because now you now you're going to get to the point you're only 23. But as you get older, you're going to start to realize that there's so much more people that you don't even know who is really looking up to you. You got followers on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, wherever, who are like, yo, Abriana is such an inspiration to me. Like, I love the things that she's doing. Like, she makes me realize that this shit is possible. Mm-hmm. Like that, ha- that, those, those moments, I like, I've had to embrace those moments for myself. Like, I know that I inspire people. I know that there's people who look up to me and like, I embrace that and I want to embrace it more by actually giving things back instead of just creating, you know, cause sometimes, you know, it's, it's, the selfish part, I don't know. I don't really look at much of the shit that I do in my career as selfish. Like I'm, I'm so level, I'm so not level-headed, but I'm so into my work to where like, I feel like I'm only dealing with myself. I feel like I might be selfish, but I realize what I'm doing it for. Um, and as I'm along in this process, that's when I start to realize like, okay, I need to give back in some kind of way, whether it's gathering people up together to give them some knowledge, to give them some opportunities to work on one of my sets or whatever, to meet certain people. Um, so that's kind of what I realized that I have to do uh, for the next three to five years for myself. And then obviously continue on doing that in bigger in different ways, you know? Absolutely. Um, one of my last questions for you, though, uh, just in terms of uh, just how important it is to be a black woman in this industry, in this in this world. I want I want you to kind of talk about just your experience as far as like you being you being you being a black woman in Detroit, working in the film industry. How has that like I guess empowered you mm-hmm. um and also how has that kind of maybe discouraged you in ways too I want to I want to yeah. hear those moments yeah um so I'll start with discouragement unfortunately because that's the one that sticks out the most uh I remember being on set of No Sudden Moves and I was the only black woman on my team there are other black men but I was like literally sitting here with my other I was on um like COVID duty basically. And so we're checking people in and being completely like, I was invisible. Like there was a a guy sitting next to me and a guy standing like right here and someone who approached and like had a whole conversation. I'm even participating in this conversation before he walked up and he is not like, I felt so invisible and that makes you feel so small when your voice is not heard literally. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, am I the only one that just peeped that? They noticed it. Everybody noticed it. I'm like, what's tea? Like, I don't get it. And so that's one of the, I remember that stuck out to me because I was like, I'm never letting it happen again. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm definitely not one to shy away from anybody. And I did at that moment and it didn't feel good. And so yeah. I don't like not standing up for myself. And so that's something that I've learned to do Uh through these past couple of years is to just let my voice be heard however it needs to be heard be seen um and it also puts a little bit of extra pressure on me to be perfect quote unquote to not mess up you know what I mean um a lot of people are already underestimating my abilities uh when I work on larger projects that aren't you know that are just larger projects period Mm -hmm. um 
have been so underestimated. So it just, it forces me to show up. Um, as far as one of yeah. the other part of the question was, how do I feel? Um, how does it empower you to be a black woman in this industry? When I'm able to put people on, now I'm in a position where I can hire folks, child. Don't give a black mm-hmm. woman power. <laughs> don't do it, don't do it because now I'm using that period. Yeah. I put the homies on. And obviously people who deserve it, who are worth it, who not worth mm-hmm. it, but you know what I'm saying? Who have worked for it, who are ready, who are just not seen. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. just, honestly, I tell people all the time, let me know what it is, what you want to do. Because I know like, a decent amount of folks. I know a lot of couple of people in yeah. different industries <laughs> across different fields, not just production or related to production. I just love to like be a resource. Oh my goodness, it feels so good when I can be like, okay, I can't specifically help you with this, but if you want your shit, then I can put you on in contact with somebody who can help you. So absolutely, that's great. That's amazing because it's it's just such it's so important. Like. You know, because I feel it. I've been in situations on the on the discouraging side where it's like, damn, I'm the only black person on this shoot. I remember I did a shoot uh, for Masterclass. It was like a, um, I forget who the dude was, but he did something where he was like a sleep professional. Uh, it was kind of it was a pretty interesting shoot, and it was a, it was a, it was my first Masterclass shoot. It was kind of cool, but I just remember that was like not too long before the um, elections, I think, of last year. And uh, I just remember there was like these two white dudes, the medic, who is this white dude who was a Trump supporter. And then this uh, second AC who uh, he ended up like having like a kind of an argument with about Trump, uh, who was against Trump, you know, basically. But it was it was very interesting because during that during that argument between these two white dudes who are arguing about Trump, <laughs> I just remember I felt like weirdly enough, me being the only black person on set, I felt like all eyes were still looking at me for some reason as I needed to speak up about the situation or I needed to insert myself in this conversation. And uh, it was very weird. And even to this, still to this day, that was actually one of my least favorite shoots because of that, because I was the only black person on there, because it was so weird and awkward how, how people like, you know, uh, treated me. I felt like even if people were trying to be nice, you know, the people were the white folks who tried to understand, try to, you know, be encouraging or whatever. It was still a little weird, just in terms of how the attention just got turned to me sometimes. It was kind of, it was strange. Um, but I definitely believe for, for black women that that has like a, a stronger effect because it's like, obviously as a black man and just men, like they're kind of like, I guess, put in this position to where they expect you to be, how do you say it? More, I guess, solid infrastructure as far as like how, how you approach business or whatever. But to be a black woman to do that, I feel like it's even... 10 times more valuable truthfully that's truly how i feel because i feel like when you have that power like you said and you know how to use it people are going to remember that and people people are going to respect that shit because it, it just it's something that people won't forget you know what i'm saying and i hope i hope to be on a set i will be on a set with you to where i get to experience that from yourself so I like to make people feel good. I remember during my first commercial, I uh, hired a makeup artist that I had worked with before previously. Mm-hmm. And um, she made a comment about how it was the most comfortable, like in like enjoyable experience that she, one of the most that she's had. Yeah. And that, that made me feel good. I want to, like you said earlier, I wanted to piggyback off of that. 
I want to make people feel good and just comfortable. Like production is supposed to be fun. <laughs> like yeah. it's work. It's supposed to be a little bit enjoyable. And even if it is yeah. work, even if it's hard and it's kind of stressful, I want to make sure that the crew and everybody is 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 good, you know. So exactly. And you're and you're well on your way to just consistently giving those experiences to people. And uh, I'm proud of you for all of the amazing shit that you've been doing and all the amazing stuff that you've done. One of the things I, I wanted to say too, is sometimes when I look at um, like your Instagram and stuff too, and I look at like the captions, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of a meaningful stuff in there that I feel like is super important for young black girls and just people in general. Like uh, there's a few, I'm looking at your Instagram now. Um, but like, there's this one says word of the day release release myself from the shackles of productivity, release myself from situations out of my control, release myself from self-imposed limitations, release, releasing myself uh, from the idea of perfection, releasing myself from harmful coping mechanisms, releasing expectations. That was earlier this year. And I'm like, that's, that's beautiful. And I just, when I see the captions, when I see certain things, one thing I noticed about you specifically is that you give it, you give it such a, such a, a very like, a very uh, specific way that you like go off and talking about just, I guess, almost like journaling in a, in a, in a sense on these yeah, captions, I feel sure. like. For sure. Um, and I grapple with that sometimes about how personal I want to be online, but I just, I want to be real. You know what I'm saying? I want to share whatever my thoughts are. I don't share many things unless I feel like speaking. And so when I'm, when I do post, it's because I'm either happy about something, excited to share it, proud of it, or it's like, I'm struggling with this. And I'm, I'm coming to terms with something and I'm feeling these emotions. And I, that was for me. Like I, I was trying to change. I was trying to grow. I was trying to do all of those things. And I was like, just, I don't know, put it out there. It's great. Even another one, the, uh, which this one's super short. You just say on the right track is what yeah. the caption says, but all the different photos, it's just like, you have an aesthetic aesthetic that I really love. It's just, it's, it's very, it just feels, it feels comforting. You know what I mean? It feels comforting. And if and you like, know, I, I feel like on the right track, it was a pun and I didn't like put it in there, yeah. but the project that I was working on that I kind of took a picture of, but didn't re reveal was yeah. for uh, this music competition with Pepsi. That's that launched today. And so oh, wow. I, I haven't made a post about it yet, but that was um, the first project that I worked on at this new job. And oh, I was just, you know, I feel like I was on the right track. I was doing something. I was doing something. That's good. great. See, I, and I, I love that. I love that. And it's just basically like you're, you're really manifesting these things for yourself. And, and it's great. One last question before we get to your uh, the advice and message that I'm going to have you give out to people on here um, is a little bit of social media, though, because I, I always like to ask my creatives and entrepreneurs how they go about, you know, marketing themselves or their business or their brands on social media, because I feel like a lot of people are very afraid to, to, to market themselves for me, myself, right. When I moved to California, well, even before that, before I moved to California, I was very open about my life personally. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously I made, you know, I made an album, no sweat pimp. Um, that album is the most personal thing that I've ever created for myself or just for people. It's not for people, but for myself, that's the most personal thing I've ever put out there because I really speak about my life in ways that people never kind of knew about or expected, you know? Um, and 
when I moved to California, I was meeting all these new people, all these different celebrities. I got certain people who follow me and certain conversations I've had with celebrities or whoever, people who could put me on it, put me in certain positions that I'm like, all right, maybe I should kind of not shelter myself, but maybe shelter this, the parts that might be as vul- more vulnerable than, than mm-hmm. how I had them open to before. So why is but that? Na- I mean, I don't know. I think it's just, I guess sometimes I still have those insecurities of like, damn, will they, will these people still like me if I was like, mm. you know, if I, if I uh, had certain conversations with them or if I, you know, whatever, like sometimes I, sometimes that comes into my mind, but honestly, I think after launching this podcast, and just having different conversations with other creatives and just realizing that I'm not looking for anyone's validation ever, 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 ever. I'm not looking for anyone's validation. I need to be the one to validate myself. And so that's why I just now I'm just like, whatever, I'm, I'm going to be who I am and I'm going to create the things that I create. And I'm going to talk about the things that I talk about. And uh, if you don't like them, you don't like them. If you love them, great, you know, mm-hmm. cool. But um, for yourself though, on social media, I mean, do you, do you have a specific, like, how do you choose to market yourself? Do you like, yeah. like, you don't ever, you say you don't like to put too much of yourself personally out there, but I mean, I guess, does it, does it shift from like personal to work sometimes a little bit? Absolutely. So my relationship with social media is so funny. Um, early, early, early on in social media, my social media, like career, I was working in um, radio and to work mm-hmm. in radio, you have to be a social media personality, honey. So I yeah, was like, yeah. out there, like every day I was posting a lot. I was posting funny stuff. I was posting, you know, like kind of content engaging things like the YouTube me, right? Mm-hmm. And um, that was fun. It became a lot to keep up with. I was like, is this authentic? Is this me? Is this what I want to do? Or am I just doing it because that's what I think will get me followers and blow me up and get people to notice me mm-hmm. and so then I enter um college and I'm not really on social media as much like I'll post cute pictures you know what I'm saying saying like selfies and stuff like that and then um just mm-hmm. the creative in me the aesthetic me is like girl like spice it up this is like you know what I'm saying I, yeah. I still want to have a brand I'm very much about people having a brand a presence an identity publicly and so that's when I started kind of posting more about my work. Um, and then it feels funny now to post about personal stuff, kind of similarly to you. It's not like, do I, will people like me? It's just like, am I sharing too much? I don't want y'all to be in my business. Mm. You know what I mean? Or I don't want people to <laughs> yeah. because people do a lot of assumptions. I don't want you to assume because I post this one day that this is how I feel like 24 seven period. Because my opinions change all the time. My views, my this, my that. Like, I am a changing, growing human being. Like, so please don't, like, shackle me to what I post on social media. And yeah. so yeah. Um, there was that. And um, now I am, I feel like I'm, I'm the most comfortable as I've mm-hmm. ever been with, with social media. Because I, I do feel sometimes, though, like, am I only posting my highlight reel? And that doesn't feel as mm-hmm. often. Like I post a lot when I feel good, when I'm doing good. You know, I've always heard people like say that as far as like, ah, you know, social media is fake because people only talk about the good things. Well, yeah, because sometimes (laughs) I've I've never understood why people like say that because it's like, do they want us to post the shitty times about our lives too? I don't want to be crying on social media. Yeah. Like, do they, do they want to see that? I've never understood that. Yeah. I've never understood it. 
I'm in a good place with it now. I do uh, check out, like, I have hella inspirations for people who I feel like their social media is how I want to project it because I've had diff- a change of heart of what professional is. Because in college, I was also told to keep it professional for yeah. work. And so um, I've had a now a change of heart of what professional is. And I'm like, professionals are human beings. I can be mm-hmm. damn good at my job, but also turn up on Saturday. And y'all going to see the turn up. Okay, <laughs> right. I can get lit, like, and that's yeah. fine. I can be in the meeting on Monday morning, leading, you know, something. So exactly, um, yeah. I love creatives like Danye Taylor is one of my favorites. Uh, she's a marketing maven. I often look at like the women who I want to be similarly to. So I check mm-hmm. out Ray's um, Instagram all the time, even though she needs to be now. So I'm like, dang, or I. <laughs> Like, okay, but who was you before? You know what I'm saying? Before yeah. you like, yeah. uh Avery DuVernay all the time and, and people like that. So yeah. That's amazing. That's great. Yeah. Now social media is such a it's a tricky thing to, to navigate sometimes. You know what I yeah. mean? But yeah. I think just like anything else in this industry, really, it feels like trial and error when it comes to mm-hmm. social media. It's just one like, thing I love about my social media though is I think that you I curated the a beautiful world for myself on there. I don't come mm. across a lot of like, I'm, I'm following people that I'm inspired by or that I love and that love me. Um, I don't come across a lot of like hateful things. It's always uplifting. And you know what I'm saying? And that's fine. Mm-hmm. Like I understand that this world is crazy. I see that, you see that, we know that, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I oh, want yeah. people who are around me personally, but also who are in my social atmosphere to have this, a similar mindset at least in terms of like okay i'm out here figuring it out i'm trying my grind my hustle or you know something like that right no one thousand percent i mean yeah i think like i said now that i'm kind of just starting to get more comfortable in my position here in the bay i'm like yeah nah i'm a i'm gonna post whatever the fuck i want <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what i mean even if it's something super negative not negative but like something a negative time in my life you know and i have posted things like that uh, in the past, you know, but uh, I just think all those things are just growing, growing pains or not growing pains, but growth. You show like all sides of you. And that's something that I kind of want to do. Like I'm still on the, like, I'm going to keep a part of myself to myself because I think that's important, but I want to mm-hmm. show people that there is the duality of Brie. Brie is not just the square, you know what I'm saying? Like work, 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 course. Like, <laughs> Yeah, nah, because it's just important. I just feel like, like I said, as a creative, that's the kind of, like, in a in a way, right? Like, how, like, for instance, how a lot of these rappers do it. Like, I, like I said, I love, one of my favorite artists of all time, no matter how people may think about him, because he is fucking crazy, Kanye West, right? Okay. Kanye, <laughs> Kanye has done a lot of that. Like, I would say some of that is kind of inspired by how he has done it, or how, like, a, a J. Cole or Kendrick or Drake has done it, like, Sometimes I think about how they go about talking about their lives and how that stuff kind of gets out there. It's like, okay, I don't want my life to be all the way out there. Like there's certain things I'm going to leave to myself. I mean, I think definitely for sure when it comes to like relationships, uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm not going to leave that to myself because at the same time, I want to be happy. I want to show off whoever, whoever my girl is or whatever. But at the same time, you know, uh, I think some of that stuff should be kept, kept personally, you know, but um Still, at the same time, I just think it's important for people to know who I am, because when they see my art, you know, and as I as I push SW Films a certain way, as I push this podcast a certain way, like, you know, I want people to know who the hell is behind all that, you know. Um, so I think that's super important. Um, but to end this off, Brie, 
I want I want you to give some advice and message a message to people who are possibly wanting to be just like you for those young black girls who are or just whoever who is watching you right now and wanting to get into uh, the filmmaking world or just into a creative a creative space like yourself to be in those certain positions to where you're leading people you're you're a leader for a lot of a lot of folks um, in Detroit or just wherever like what would your message be for people to to stay on track during those times? So a few things that I have to remind myself of all the time that I would tell other people is to one, listen to like your voice, your gut, your intuition. Like no matter what great advice you may get, your life is like, everyone's life is independent. It's unique. It's, you know what I'm saying? So follow your journey. Don't craft your journey specifically after somebody else's, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then two, another epiphany I just had, you can do literally anything. All we have to do is like practice, try, like work. It's like kind of simple. It's hard. Okay. It's hard, but it's <laughs> really, really, really simple. Yeah. Um, apply yourself to whatever it is that you are aiming to do. And I mean, that includes like research, talking to people, I'm asking questions. I'm like, doing the deepest of dives of my Googles. You know what I'm saying? I'm practicing. I'm I'm being um, proactive. Like I'll do something on my own before. If I don't have the opportunity in front of me, I'm a creative. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So, yeah, that's just what I'll say is, is, is you can do it. You can literally do it if you have the, the, the determination and the will. To do it. Absolutely. That is beautiful. Bri, I just want to say thank you so much for being on this podcast. It's it's first of all, it's just amazing to talk to you. We definitely got to keep in touch more. No, because uh, like I said, I I I I am inspired by you. Um, I love all the stuff that you're doing. I love to see just your growth and your career out there in Detroit. I love the love that you have for Detroit. Um, that just kind of helps me with my love for my hometown and everything that I'm trying to do. So I just want to say thank you for, for doing amazing stuff and just being you. Thank okay. You. First of all, let the people know where to watch your excellence, where to find you on social media as well. Let people know where they can check out Brie from the D. I was just about to say, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you introduced me as a Brianna, but I'm also formerly known as Brie from the D and that's literally on everything. So I'll be posting on there. I'm super nice. So talk to me. I'm super nice. (laughs) There you go. Absolutely. Super nice. Thank you to everybody who's listening and watching the podcast. Of course, go subscribe to SW Films. Go subscribe to the Excellent Podcast. Go follow me on Instagram. Um, All that stuff is linked on the screen for people who are watching. But you guys know where to find me at. And uh, I'll see you guys on the very next episode. Thank you, Bree. Thank you.